just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name's Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, the show where we delve into the world of influence and persuasion to help you become an ethical influencer and a powerfully persuasive communicator. This week, we are taking a somewhat tangential approach to the world of influence and persuasion and looking at someone who is actually using influence and persuasion to help people in losing weight. Her name is Renee Jones. And I really enjoyed this conversation with her because Rennie talks about some of the ways in which she is helping people, mostly women, but sometimes men as well, to understand the triggers for what makes them eat and emotional eating, the addictive parts of eating, and how to get on track and stay on track and achieve those weight goals and some of the things that help with that. It's a really interesting conversation and anyone who's ever had any kind of struggle with their weight is going to find this fascinating from that point of view alone. But certainly if you are the kind of person who is even thinking about working with people in this or similar fields, you are going to be interested in some of the strategies and techniques that Renee works with her clients on in terms of doing this. Now on the show, we regularly have conversations with speakers and coaches and authors, psychologists, neuroscientists, and people who are in the world of rhetoric and public discourse, political speech writing, and more besides. So I know that for some of you, this may be a bit of a detour from our usual kind of subject matter, but it's one that I was really keen to explore and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I hope you will too. So all that remains to be say is enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. If you're a coach, speaker, or course creator and would like to have a simple online ecosystem for your business where you can create funnels, build an integrated website, sell and host courses and live programs, build your list with lead magnets, manage your sales, create communities, and so much more in a way that is affordable and fully supported, you'll love New Zendler. You can try everything out for free. And if you love it, you can register for monthly or discounted annual billing. It's more cost-effective than most other similar platforms. Don't pay for a multitude of services you have to then link up manually. Get an online solution that does everything you need in one place. Find the link in the show notes and try New Zendler as the all-in-one solution for your business today. Welcome to Speaking Influence. I'm very excited to be joining you and christening a new microphone as well. So hopefully some of you will notice the difference in the quality of the sound of my voice. It might sound a bit better. I'm still fiddling with the adjustments on that, so it might, get, it might even get better yet over time. Today we are here to talk about influence and persuasion for yourself and on others as well. And I have a guest from today who has been working for some time now with people on helping to overcome particularly weight issues and the influence. How do you influence somebody to 
lose weight, to take better care of their health in that kind of way? And how do you then influence yourself to keep going with that? That's what we're going to be discussing today. So let me welcome to the show, Renee Jones. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be speaking to you. And uh, I'm always looking to really talk about influence and persuasion and related topics in the show. And one of the things that when we had a chat about what we discussed in the show that came up with being to have a bit of a chat about how we influence ourselves. But I'm certainly looking forward to finding out about how you helped to influence other people to look after their health and to lose weight in the work that you do with them. And it's going to be fascinating. I want to start off by asking you who you maybe look up to and admire for their influence and persuasion skills and perhaps what they've done with their own influence, either in your own life or on the public stage. Well, I think someone who immediately came to mind was a man named Pat Quinn. Now, Pat is a speaking coach, so he helps, and he was my speaking coach, and he took what could have been a an average talk that I gave and made it so much better. He uses his skills of influence to make us better speakers. And for me, that turned into a fabulous TEDx talk. Fantastic. And that's definitely something you, anyone who's thinking about doing a TEDx talk should get some coaching and Indeed. Uh, maybe, maybe could do, could do well to check out your speaking coach as well. Really, that's fantastic. It's probably speaking is such an important part of influence and persuasion. It's one of the reasons why this show is called Speaking Influence, because mm -hmm. we do speak our influence and public speaking and presentation skills are a part of that. But yeah. we also do that not just on a, in a group one-to-many, but we also do that one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. And that perhaps is more in line with some of your work. So just explain for us a bit what your work is and how you help people. Well, my coaching is about helping people overcome emotional eating, which is often the biggest sabotage to their weight loss goals. So I work with them, with their personalities, with their tendencies to help them get where they want to go. Now, emotional eating, is that something we all do or are there some people perhaps more susceptible to that than others? Oh, I think some people are more susceptible. And it, it's basically eating for any reason other than hunger. And we get plenty of encouragement to do this around holidays and with family members who've made something special just for us. And some are not bothered by it at all. My husband says, I eat out of stress. I said, love, that's an emotion. But we have to find ways to soothe ourselves to make our feelings more balanced in ways other than just food. And that's one of the things yeah. that I help them with. Now, I would imagine that people probably come to you at the point where they've made the decision to do something about changing their weight, yes? Yes, usually, yes. What tends to be the, the trigger point for people to get them to that stage? I mean, it may, I guess it may be different for different people, but I mean, there may be some common things that you've noticed in your encounters with people that tend to trigger that kind of thinking, oh, it's time to get... For some people, it, it tends to be, I've been doing this for a long time and it's not working, so what do I do? For some people, it's an event, which oddly enough, usually doesn't help very much because they'll lose the weight for the event and then go back to the way they were eating before and the cycle continues. Sometimes it's frustration or an age. That was it for me. I was staring down my 50th birthday and I'd been on a diet for 40 years and wasn't succeeding long-term. Some, it's a health issue. 
you know, I will particularly think about it with COVID. I mean, the people who often struggle the most with the symptoms of COVID are people who are overweight. That seems to be one of the primary indicators of how bad it will be for you. So it may be that health issue, or it may be just, I can't get down on the floor and play with my children or grandchildren, and they want to do that. So sometimes it's a life event or situation. It definitely makes sense what you're saying about about milestone birthdays. It's I, I was reading some research recently. I think it came up on a podcast I was listening to as well about how those sorts of big lifetime sort of moments, like like a, a wedding or an anniversary mm-hmm. or a birthday, a significant birth date, those are the ones that I think, oh, I should be this by now. Or the ones we tend to reevaluate a bit more at the end of a, a decade rather than just the end of a year. Uh, but I guess the end of the year as well is significant, right? I mean, that's the time when everyone's starting back at the gym, isn't it? And, <laughs> and start, starting their New Year diets. When you work with people, I mean, I imagine some of your challenges as a coach in this is how do you help people stay motivated, stay on track with this kind of thing? Well, one of the things that I do, I actually use a couple of personality profiles that give me information as well as them on where they want to be and who they are and where they are on the continuum of life, right? So we'll look at those and it tells me what motivates them, what keeps them on track, what kinds of things help them to deal with expectations. So I will work with those in order to help them succeed. But, you know, if it's, if it's someone who is, works really well with external expectation, they can do brilliantly with coaching because they're already aware of, okay, I do better when somebody else is holding me accountable. So that works really well. But if it's someone who is mm, not as good with external expectations, you just have to go at it differently and find what works for them. And so when we hear the word accountability, especially people who've been in coaching maybe have a different relationship to that. But if someone who's never been coached or anything before might think, oh, that sounds like a bit of tough talk. It sounds like I'm going to get somebody's boot up my backside. But what, do you, <laughs> what are we really talking about when you're saying about helping people with accountability? Generally, it clearly some people use it that way. I think a lot of sports coach coaches will use it that way to get them to excel what they think they can't do, go further than they think they are physically capable of. But for a a coach in this manner, it's much more about, okay, what can get you one step further today than you were yesterday? And hopefully it's gentle because I don't know about you, but if someone is saying, you have to do it this way, I'm probably not going to. You know, you get a point of rebellion (laughs) about that. But if if someone comes at me and says, okay, here's what you said you wanted. How are we going to get there? Then that is so much easier for, it's more palatable, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I would also think, I mean, having had some weight challenges myself in life, this isn't something that's completely uh, out, out of the, you know, it's not, it's not <laughs> unknown to me. Let's just say that. But I, I know that the, one of the hardest things isn't just maybe getting some help with this, but keeping yourself on track. What sort of tools do you offer to your clients to help keep themselves on track? Maybe even, I guess some of these maybe even helped you on, on your own journey. You said you, you had some weight issues as well before your 50th birthday. So 
what has helped you and your clients? Well, I think a big portion of it all is remembering what it is you actually want in the long term and not just in this moment. One of the questions I ask them, is this who you want to be? And if this is who you want to be and you're okay with being that, great, go ahead. But stop fooling yourself. Stop pretending you actually want to. So get off the diet and live as you want to live. That's fine. We all get to make choices. Other things that we can do are things like substitutes. You know, we <laughs> the idea of pleasure has become the thing for us. We are always seeking more and more pleasure. We not only seek pleasure in the food, we seek pleasure in the creation of the food. So we have all these lovely cooking shows that show us how we can learn new things. And if you just have this particular saucepan, it will change your life. Or this particular appliance, it will change. So how can we get that same feeling without food? Because food is not the only soother or pleasure base out there. It's just easy. It's available yeah. and it's legal. <laughs> but no, most of it, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever heard of somebody called Nigella Lawson. She's mm. a famous cook in in the yeah. UK. You know who Nigella is. I do. And so it, that's who I was thinking of when you say that because she is she is one of the. I, I love her to bits. I think she's amazing. Uh, yeah, but she's, she's one good. of those people who makes food very sensual. It's all about the pleasure and the experience with her. And and whilst that's great in one sense, it's not good if you can't keep that under control. I suppose and. and so I think that is, can we get to a point where we have the balance between we can still enjoy and have pleasure with our food in that, in that way and find other pleasures as well that mean we're not abusing our, our bodies and, and our eating? Well, John, I think if we were actually truly enjoying it, we would get what we need from that experience. I think the problem is, is that we normally, we rush through so many things or we just swallow it whole rather than slowing down and enjoying it. I mean, the sensual pleasure of food is wonderful if you take the time to truly enjoy it. But, oh, we've got this at half seven, or we've got to be here. The kids have got to be there. It's, we're running or we're eating in the car, which is not good for your digestion, to say the least. Right. So if you can be in that moment, with whatever it is you're eating, take yeah. the time to chew, to squeeze every bit of flavor out of that bite. Then what you were looking for, you will actually find, and it won't take as much food to do it. Because what happens is we eat so fast, we don't enjoy it. Or we're just going after the pleasure of it and not actually allowing it in our lives. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder that, is there a level of addiction that comes into this too? Yes, definitely. Be because we're looking for yeah. this, this experience or this flavor or this memory. The memory is so much more powerful than we give it credit for. Because if you were to stop and taste something that you loved as a child, but you actually spend the time. I, I did this with a, a cho particular chocolate bar. And I sat down and I thought, okay, I'm going to taste this this time. And I cut it into tiny little bites so I could have plenty of time. 
and I put it in my mouth. I thought, hmm, that's just not quite what, maybe it's the first taste. So I had another bite and I thought, okay, this is not what I remember. I don't like it anymore. And I gave my entire fun size bag to my husband and I've never had another one. Some while back, I, I stopped eating processed sugar. Mm. And so I can't say I never have it. I mean, there's probably some things that I have it in that I don't really notice that it's there. But, but for the full intents and purposes, I pretty much gave up processed sugar. And I noticed, I noticed at first how difficult it was. Like there, there was those cravings and, and things wondering. But once that subsided, similarly to you, after a while, trying to eat stuff that I'd eaten before without really thinking about it, the taste just was... Exactly. was wrong somehow <laughs> it just didn't didn't feel good it didn't taste good and just started to taste this i don't even really want this and yes. yet when you're when you're just eating it and i say maybe mindless mindlessly somewhat not mm. even really tasting it but also perhaps to some degree that those foods especially with sugars are feeding some kind of addiction in the body or they're not we're not, not sort of saying the same as like uh, class a drugs mm. you know there, there are processes that work with it there that that's what's really going on. That's perhaps some of where the pleasure is coming from rather than actually enjoying the actual food. Indeed. And sugar is as addictive as cocaine. In fact, if, it's, if the sugar is powdered, it looks exactly the same. So we can, we can certainly... I, I gave up sugar almost seven years ago now. And the first week, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was standing in my pantry about Wednesday and I thought, I've got to have those chocolate chips. I've got to. And I thought, no, no, just wait. It will go away. It's, it's a withdrawal. And but once I got through about a week of that, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. Because it, it made my body react in a way that I hadn't been aware of. And so we can get addicted to certain foods, whether it's a physical addiction or an emotional or a mental addiction. I mean, part of the reason we get certain foods is, is the memory of the person who gave it to us, right? It's when something traumatic or difficult or wonderful happens in our, as a child and someone gives us that particular food, it can create a lifelong connection to that food. It may not get yeah. to the point of addiction, but I mean, if, if you want to talk about addiction, look at people at a buffet line when everything is available and they can't stop getting more. The foods that they go to show what is most important to them. And some of that comes out of that addiction. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't go to buffets too often, but yeah, next time I do, <laughs> I'm going to pay, pay a bit more attention, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it just surprises me. I mean, I, food, food makes such a big difference to, to how we feel as well. A lot of the people who tune into the show are coaches, speakers, business owners, service-based businesses, people who are dealing with people, often who are speaking, presenting to, to people. So how we look is a significant factor sometimes uh, as well. And if we're not happy with how we look, and uh, then for, for whatever reasons, then we do need to think about perhaps doing something about it. But I think a big part is how we feel as well, not just, uh, not just how you feel about your body, but how you actually feel mm -hmm. from what you're eating and how much of an effect that has over 
mood and even over things like self-discipline and performance. And I wonder if you can speak, oh, I've got your back now. I wonder if you can speak about that a little bit for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know that certain foods work for my body and this is true for everyone. We just don't always take the time to figure out what that is. So one of the things that I've added in my program is a metabolic test that tells you exactly what foods work for your body. And when I stick with my list, I stay satisfied. I stay happy. My mood levels out. But if I, I you know, even for a day, go off that general pattern, I will be hungrier. I will be more exhausted. I will be cranky, which is not good for anyone, right? But finding the right foods that feed, nourish your body, mind, heart, and soul are, it's essential. When, when I changed the way I ate, there were times uh, within a month when my husband was like, what did you do? Because you're you're different. I said, yeah, I don't have those peaks and valleys of moods like I did before. I don't wake up starving every morning. Whereas if I go back to those old foods that I used to love, then it makes me hungrier. So finding what works for your body is essential so that you feel good, not only to appearance, but your internal, your mood your feelings about yourself, even how your brain works. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had one of those energy drinks? Uh, yeah, I have. I've had a mixed relationship with energy drinks over the past, <laughs> but yes, I've had some. So I was at some conference and they gave us one. I didn't have it that day, but it was a three-day conference, right? And the day after I woke up and I was so exhausted because I'd you know, been giving for three days. And I thought, well, may as well try it. I was flying, John. I don't know what's in them, but it has a great effect. And that was just a small look at how foods can affect us. If you haven't had sugar yeah. in a while and you suddenly have, you know, a cake or something, you're flying. Your energy is so up, your blood sugar is so up that it, it changes how you feel in your body. So yeah, absolutely. They, it can have such a, a dramatic effect and we don't realize it because we've got so accustomed to it. Our resistance to the effects are down because we yeah. haven't, we're used to it. Yeah. I think for, for me, one of the biggest things that comes into influence and persuasion for ourselves, on, upon ourselves, is self-discipline. Mm. And I found that following certain things like a ketogenic diet, and, a, and I do that with intermittent fasting, and think, I don't know if there's a th I know you have some stuff around ketogenic. I don't know if intermittent fasting is something you follow or teach as well, but, but I find that those things work for me, and that I'm generally performing mentally better when I'm eating in ketosis when I'm at, and I often say to people, I'm fueled mainly by coffee and ketones and that's kind of me. But I know that I feel better and I have more mental clarity when I do that. But I think there are other things like knowing that I'm sticking with that means I'm being more disciplined and, and I see that carry on into other parts of my life as well, that I just find myself generally being more disciplined. Is that something you notice uh, for, for yourself or with your clients? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's the knock-on effect, isn't it? When we are doing one thing right, 
it raises our awareness of ourselves, of our self-esteem. And when we feel better about ourselves, we're more likely to do more things that make us feel better. Whereas, you know, when you're not feeling great, it's like, well, but that donut will make me feel better. That extra glass of wine will make me feel better. And it's a slippery slope, isn't it? But if you can get one piece of discipline going, you will get another and another and another and another. I was talking to a, some yeah. clients this morning and they didn't do 100% of their goals for November or December or whatever month it was, but they did 50 or 60. And I said, you've done 50 or 60. What can we do to make it 70 next time? And the next time it grows on itself. And it makes you feel better. The more you do, we, we think discipline is a bad thing, but it's not because it so underpins what we do. It helps us keep going. It's like one yeah. foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what you said there as well, that you said that your clients hadn't hit, that fully hit their goals, but you celebrated with them what they had hit and made it clear to them that growth was the most important factor, not perfect, not perfectly hitting their targets. And, and that's, I think that's an important principle, not just in weight loss, but in, in yes. all of our life, really, isn't it? We need to maybe be a bit kinder to ourselves and a bit less perfectionist about things and say, look, if you've made progress with this, celebrate your progress, even though it's probably never going to be a, quite as fast or as far as you want it to be. Well, yeah, because we have to go at the rate that we can go. You know, I'm only five foot three. I have short legs. My legs are, you know, 30 inches. I can't walk as fast as my husband who has 36 inch legs. It takes me everything within me to keep up with him. I go at the pace I can go. And we all yeah. have to, it's progress, not perfection, right? We just yeah. keep going as we can. As long as we don't turn back, we're still winning. We'll return to Speaking Influence in a few moments. I'm very proud to say that Speaking Influence is sponsored by the good people at Brandface. And you may be wondering if your personal brand represents you the way it should. Well, now you can find out with Brandface Score. It's a simple and fast system designed to give you honest feedback about your brand and how others perceive it. The best part, it's free for a limited time. So get your Brandface score now and learn to stand out from your competitors. Visit brandfacescore.com. That's brandfacescore.com. Find the link in the show notes and get your score today. Yeah. But is it, this is just one of the reasons why I mentioned that particularly is because, when it, especially when it comes to things like weight management, that uh, a lot of people do feel that, okay, well, uh, you know, oh, I've just had that that piece of cake and I shouldn't have had that. I failed in my diet and then they fall off, fall off the wagon completely. And you're saying, is that, no, oh, it's just, just one thing. You still look at what you've done. Look at all this stuff you've done really well up until then. Let's get you, get back on it. Let's uh, keep working on, and keep working on improving it. Indeed. And one of the things I say is what happened just before you had the cake? Because if we can begin to find what drives the behavior, what just happened? this morning, yesterday, that made you vulnerable to it. Because finding that helps you to unwind it. So that next time, you can make an adjustment. It's, it's like math problems in the end, because 
if you if you misadded or mismultiplied or divided or one when you were supposed to do the other, you go back and you say, oh, this is what I should have done. Now, it's not quite as simple as that because we have a learning curve. But it is basically the same idea of, okay, where did I, where did I stop? Where did I stumble? How do I avoid stumbling the next time? And it's a whole different mindset to that idea of, oh, well, I blew it now. I'll just go for the rest of the day or month or year and abandon my efforts. It's constantly growing. Do you, do you feel then that, that having conscious awareness of what you're doing and what you're eating and why is a critical factor in this, or is it just one of many elements? Is it one? It, it could be one of many elements, but it's a huge one because if you're not, anytime we're not consciously aware of what we're doing, we're probably not doing well. I mean, if you think about our financial situations, you know, we have a budget. When we don't stick to it, there are fairly immediate consequences. We think it's not that way with weight, but it is. If I go over budget on my calorie count, then I probably need to back it up a little bit the next meal or the next day or the next week. And it's okay. We're not depriving you of food. We're managing it in a way that works for you. I, I often find myself saying to, to coaching clients, maybe you said there's some, something similar as well. The things we don't pay attention to, we, we pay with pain. And that unfortunately is the case, not just for diets and money you say, but, but just about anything in our lives. If we're running kind of unconsciously, you're running on automatic and not paying, not paying conscious, uh, giving conscious awareness to what's going on and what's happening. Yeah, very important. Pay, it, I, I pay attention or pay with something else. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if from your own perspective, what you think is perhaps the, the best uh, diet or the best dietary options for people who want to not just lose weight, but have better mental and physical performance. You know, I, I used to think I knew exactly the right answer to that. And I have, I have my suspicions. I have, but there are, unfortunately, there are people who are different to me. And while for me, having fewer carbohydrates works really well, there are people out there who need those for other reasons. You know, I have a cousin who can't do something low carb. It really messes her up in so many ways. And you've got the the important thing is to find what works for your body. And as I say, I, I do a metabolic evaluation so that we can find what works for that person's body. But if you follow your own plan, it will work better than someone else's plan. If that's ketogenic, great, go do it. I love it myself. But, you know, my grandmother always told me way back in the 70s when I was first starting my diet, she said, watch your sugars and your starches and you'll be okay. And she's right for me. Does that work for everyone? I don't know. I used to think I did, but I don't, because there are people who don't do well on that for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I find Cynthia, I, I do very well with keto, and I and I do well with intermittent fasting as well. But then I don't know if if there are still better options for me than that. That's just one that I found that I I know I maybe it does well for me because I can stick with it more than any other uh, diet, but uh, and, and plan. 
But I also find that the benefits that come with it for me just make it worthwhile. I want to get to something like when people have been on their journey with you for, for some time, they've achieved some results. And I would say about influence and persuasion, like one of the big things about people having influence is, is your image, is your perception. And some of that comes from your own beliefs and feelings about yourself. And some of that is other people, what other people think when they look at you kind of thing. And, and I wonder if you could maybe say about, have you noticed people experiencing differences in that kind of their ability to feel more confident in more public situations because of that? Oh, yes. I actually did a poll recently in a, a group and I said, okay, what is it you want most from weight loss? And they, by majorities, it was either health or confidence and usually both together. That's, those are the number one reasons people give for wanting to lose some weight because they do want to be more confident. You know, there's a body positivity movement out there. And if you look at some of the ads in, and magazines and such, they're, they're not doing the super thin models as much. They're also True. putting in what they like to term normal size people. And I think normal changes, but they're using some plus size models as well. Gaining confidence in who you are over what your body looks like is huge because if you feel confident and settled within your skin, then it doesn't so much matter what size the skin is. Now, are there yeah. health implications to that? Sure, because the body was not made to be obese, but that acceptable range is not as tight as zero to two in size, in the, an American size. Confidence is so important for everything that we do. If this is one area where you can gain some confidence, start there. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that you know, there's definitely a whole show just on something like body positivity, potentially, although I'm not sure it's, it's uh, within the remit of this show so much, but it's an, an interesting area to me. It feels like some people perhaps feel that if people who uh, maybe are obese or, or at least overweight feel confident and happy about that, that they're not going to do anything about it. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think actually maybe easier to do something to change your weight if you don't feel shame around it, if you don't feel humiliated or that people now have eyes on you and are judging you all the time. So I think generally, I think it's a good thing that we're being more, more open and inclusive generally, but we re realistically, there is still, there, there are still biases out there. There is still discrimination out there and it may not be spoken, but if people look at you, uh, especially if you're someone who talks about health and you don't look healthy, then it is going to undermine what you're talking about. Uh, and yes. sometimes you know, it, so, certainly some of these things can potentially damage your, your credibility depending on what you do, but I don't think they should ever be a reason to stop you. And, and that's perhaps the thing that comes into this. It's like, yeah, you, you may increase your influence and persuasion from looking and feeling better, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't start down this path in the first place or that you have to be perfect before you begin. And, and, yes. and that's, uh, I think that's a super important part of it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Cause we, perfection is an illusion. We do the best we can. And moving forward is a lot better than staying still or going backwards. Yeah. And no matter who we are, our goal should only be to look, to look the best we can look and, uh, and not be comparing ourselves to, I don't know who, who are the 
considered the most attractive people even these days. I was going to go with uh, Brad and Angelina, but I mean, that might be a bit 10 years ago for some people. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't at least be aspiring to, to look like the people who are generally looked to as being some of the most beautiful people to look at in the world. We should aspire to be our best versions of ourselves. And, and that's in how, how we look as well. I think that's, that's where the empowerment perhaps comes from. Yeah. Yeah, and and not being too tied up in all of the the external. I mean, yes, it's important, but what's so much more important is your heart and who you are, your character, how you care about others. That's the real beauty. We just got a bit confused about it. Yeah, we focus too much on the packaging rather than the present, right? Yes, indeed. Beautiful packaging yeah. doesn't always have a good present inside. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Now, I know you, you have some tools that, that help people on, on their journey for anyone who particularly is working on their weight loss. And so you have, you have a, a little analogy that helps an acronym that, I'm using the right word, uh, yeah, an acronym <laughs> that helps people. <laughs> there you go. We'll you got again. it. <laughs> we got there eventually. Yes. So can, um, can you tell us what that is? Sure. Overcoming emotional eating isn't really hard. We just have to get the hang of it. And hang is the acronym. And H is, am I hungry? And if you are, you may need to get something to eat. But if you're not, then you go to the A. What is your attraction to food? What makes that particular food the thing you want right now? The N is need. What is it you actually need? I mean, you may need a hug or a walk or a chat with a friend or to play with the dog. And then, gee, go, go get that because that will soothe you more than food ever could. Yeah, I love that. That's going to be very, very helpful for people. You'll find <laughs> that in the show notes as well. If you want a, a refresher that you can write down somewhere, didn't make your notes just then, uh, you can look for it there. And And I know that I can well imagine that some people are going to want to know more about you and, and how you work with people, especially if anyone is working on weight issues particularly. So what would be the best way for people to connect? They can contact me through my website, packyourownbag.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well, Pack Your Own Bag. Fantastic. Now, it's been really fun and interesting to talk about your topic from some different sides, from what you actually do when you work with clients and from, and from how people who are presenting themselves in public life for influence and persuasion should be thinking about themselves, the confidence side of this, the influence side. It's, it's been a, an interesting conversation, which I knew it would be and, and had been looking forward to having with you. I'm, I'm wondering what other potential resources that, that you might recommend, like books or courses that might be useful to people. Okay. So I might have a book on weight loss. I think one of my favorite books on persuasion is Robert Cialdini's. It's called Persuasion. That one works really well. And then books that are habit change, I think, is, is, is a topic, right? And the book is by Gretchen Rubin, and it is better than before. And it's like a bunch of strategies on how to change habits and not just one. They're like, I don't know, 21, 30, something like that. It's really helpful. And knowing more about your, yourself, finding your, how you respond to um, expectations 
also a Gretchen Rubin book called The Four Tendencies. Really helpful. Changed. Once I learned my tendency, it was like, oh, that's why I need this to help me get somewhere. And I started setting that up and it made such a difference for me. Fantastic. Well, Roy Children, I'm very familiar with, and it's a great recommendation, of course. Gretchen Rubin, I haven't heard of, and I'm going to go and check her out. And again, we'll have information in the show notes for anyone who wants to, to check those out too. I, I wonder for yourself, in terms of influence and persuasion, where, where do you find your slides most? What are your superpowers or magic skills in influence and persuasion that you can always rely on? I think not only active listening, but finding what it is that they aren't saying. Just a, a general sense of there's something more here, keep digging. Maybe it's intuition. But I think it's that and some, and it works so well. Fantastic. So it's been an absolute delight to have this conversation with you today. It's been uh, uh, some, I think it's a topic I haven't really covered on the show before. And so it's been really nice to do and a bit tangential to some of the other topics, but nonetheless, <laughs> very interesting. And I, and, I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm sure my audience will too. And I'm just wondering if there's just one thing you hope that people will take away from our conversation today more than anything else, what do you hope that would be? Find what works for you because you're more likely to do it if it works well for you. Absolutely. Great advice, Renee Jones. Thank you so much for coming and being my guest on Speaking Influence. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for tuning in. And if you got some benefit from that show and you want to check out any of the resources that Renee mentioned, you'll find them in the show notes. Please consider the price of the show to be sharing it out with your friends and network. That's what helps us to grow. And so if there's any content that you've enjoyed, let people know what you liked about the show and what action you'll be taking based on what you heard today. On my next show, my guest is Jeremy Sherman, and we're going to be diving into some really interesting topics like critical thinking skills and talking about that old friend of ours rhetoric once again. It's going to be a fascinating show. It was a really fun conversation with him. He's really an expert in his subject matter and a bit of a masterclass too. I know you're not going to want to miss that if you enjoyed those kinds of shows on Speaking Influence. If influence and persuasion is your thing and you haven't been through our back catalogue of shows, go and check it out. You will find some shows in there that you will not want to miss. I especially recommend our show with Simon Lancaster where we looked at the language of leadership and also episode 100 with Professor Dan French where we talked about rhetoric. Some of my favourite shows including a show about Stoic philosophy with the philosopher Donald Robertson who's one of the founding psychologists behind CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy as well. Just a wonderful conversation. There's loads more besides. have plenty of wonderful guests on the show but go and check out our shows and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. There's a good chat that you have a device in your hand right now so if you're on spotify or apple podcasts or you can find us on podchaser please leave us a review you can also check out our sponsors brandface visit the show notes visit learnaboutbrandface.com or take the brandfacescore.com challenge and find your brand score but whatever you're doing wherever you're going have an amazing rest of your day i will see you again on another episode of speaking influence very soon go and make great things happen